I'm looking in the book of 1 Samuel, if you'll turn with me this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 4. And when you find your place, if you are able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us and we'll reference the reading of the word of the Lord. 1 Samuel in chapter number 4, and I'll do a little more reading than is our normal custom this morning as we read several verses here, but uh, it's necessary for us to get where we need to be in the message and I'd ask you to pray for us that we'd honor and glorify the Lord with the preaching time here today. 1 Samuel chapter 4, beginning in verse number 10. The word of the Lord says, And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent, and there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with earth upon his head. And when he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when, and when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out, and when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old. His eyes were dim that he could not see. The man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. There hath also been a great slaughter among the people. Thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. It came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck brake and he died. For he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. And his daughter-in-law Phinehas' wife was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings of the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. About the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not. For thou hast born a son, but she answered not, neither did she regard it. She named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. You can be seated this morning. Thank you graciously for standing with us while I read the word of the Lord. Now, this is one of the saddest chapters in the existence of the nation of Israel. One of the saddest times that they could ever face. One of the lowest times in the history of the nation. This is before uh, in the days in which the judges ruled, before Israel has a king, before Saul has ever been anointed, before David comes to his place of prominence. As a matter of fact, this is a day in which Eli was the high priest and also was the judge in the nation of Israel. The man Samuel was just a young man. He was not a little boy anymore, but he was just a young man. This is that same Samuel whose mother prayed for him many years beforehand, before this same high priest Eli, 
And she sought the Lord that God would give her a son. And she said, if you'll give me a son, I'll lend him unto you all the days of his life. And he'll serve the Lord all the days of his life. When God did answer her prayer and did give her a son, she gave him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And he grew up at the feet of Eli, learning the ways of the Lord. God began to deal with the heart of Samuel and drew Samuel unto himself. And the Lord spoke to his heart and God used him and he had tremendous anointing on his life even as a young man. Amen. Eli had himself two sons by the name of Hophni and Phinehas. These sons of Eli were as being his sons were, as, were in the Levitical priestly line. But these young men were very evil and had committed fornication, the Bible says, with the women who attended the worship service at the house of God. And they, my, the Bible says that they were wicked men and they were evil. And the Philistines had been afraid of Israel because of the Lord. But the days of Israel's wickedness grew so great that God withdrew His hand of protection from the nation. As such, whenever the children of the Philistines rose up against the children of Israel, they began to slay the people of God. They brought wickedness and sin into the camp. They brought violence and they brought a hand of judgment from God. The Philistines were afraid of Israel. They were afraid because of the ark of God that held the tablets of testimony. They held the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. They also held manna from the wilderness, a reminder of how God fed them through the wilderness days. They held Aaron's rod, that Levitical priestly rod that had budded, my friend, though it had no root at all, it had budded and brought forth almonds. It was a miracle from the Lord. All of these things were held in that Ark of the Covenant. And it was the visible manifestation and a reminder of the presence of God amongst the people of Israel. But the Philistines rose up against them and they slew 30,000 foot soldiers. They smote Hophni and Phinehas and they took the ark of God and Eli, the priest, prophet, and judge, fell from his seat when he heard the words and he broke his neck and he also died. Now the message that was given unto him by the soldier that day that was a footman of the army that had left the army and come back to the city that day to give word unto him was threefold. He said there are three things that have happened. He said that there is a problem in the nation. We have 30,000 footmen dead, foot soldiers, army men dead, 30,000. There's a problem in the nation. He said there's a problem in the family. Your sons have died. They have been slain in this battle. And there's a problem at the house of God. The ark of the Lord has been taken. The glory of God is departed. Now it does not take an advanced theologian this morning to be able to discern what message is found here in these verses for us. When I mentioned last night this passage of Scripture and told Julia and Caitlin about it, Julia's eyes got big as saucers. And she said, Daddy, that's the same thing that has gone on in our world. We have problems in our nation and our families and in our churches. And so it was in their day. And so it is also in this day. For the glory of the Lord is departed. And the Bible said as these things were transpiring, Phinehas' wife was birthing her son. And she struggled to childbirth and died in giving birth. 
And when she had given birth to a son, she named him Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord is departed, and then she died. When the ark of the glory, the presence of God departs, it leaves the vast, uh, leaves in its wake a vast change. Now I'm going to say this morning that very few things could possibly ever be uttered that would be more devastating, more discouraging, more disastrous than to say about an individual, a church, a family, or a nation that the glory of God has departed out of their lives. That they are no longer what they used to be spiritually. Spiritual decline is ugly. Spiritual decline is hard to watch. Spiritual decline is a visual that no real Christian should ever desire to view. To see a church begin to fritter away. To see a nation fall into spiritual decline and regression. To see a family and my friend drift away from the Lord and depart from the living God is a sight that is sad for us to see Amen. that have ever known anything about the Lord and His ways. But when this baby was born, she names him Ichabod. The glory of the Lord is departed. I'm preaching this morning on just that. Ichabod. Ichabod. The glory of the Lord is departed. Ichabod, the glory of the Lord is departed. Now I will say this morning, I likely will tell you some things that this morning in the message that are relatively controversial. I don't normally do that. I don't normally like to do that. Some of you are sitting out there right now thinking there's no way that he doesn't normally do that. You are not afraid to hear preaching or else you wouldn't be here this morning. But I'm just warning you that with the message topic God has laid on my heart, three weeks ago I wanted to preach on this. And the Lord would not allow me liberty until this week. And I know now why after the week that we have been through. And it is praying time, friend. It is time to return unto the Lord that He would heal us. It is time to seek His face for revival. It is revival or bust. And right now America is headed towards bust instead of revival. And it is revival or bust. The Republicans do not have answers for us. The Democrats do not have answers for us. The Independents do not have answers for us. The doctors do not have answers for us. Have my friend, the sociologists do not have answers for us. The psychologists and psychiatrists are probably the most mixed up people in America. They do not have answers for us. The answers are not in Dr. Field and Dr. Laura. Have my friend, they are not in Dr. Spock, it's in Dr. Jesus where we'll find the answers. We must return unto the Lord and He will heal us. We must call again on Him and He will bind us up. At this week, we have, a, we have a celebrated Memorial Day and we have honored those who gave their lives to give us freedoms that we enjoy. At this week, we've done that. And before the end of the week, our nation's coming apart. Coming apart because of violence and because of internal strife. And it's not an external enemy that's killing us. It is an internal enemy. It is that we have departed from the living God. Our problem is not a racial problem. Our problem is not a police problem. Our problem is not even a governmental problem. Our problem is a spiritual problem. Men need to get right with God. We have problems in the pulpit and problems in the pew and problems in my house and in your house. And the problem is men need to get right with the Lord. The glory of the Lord is departed. One of the saddest things that could ever be said about my life would be if God's hand were no longer on my life. 
Oh, I shudder at that thought. I fear that thought. Oh, God forbid that after I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. I seek for God's hand to be on my life. I beg Him for His power to be on my life. I know what it is to stand and preach and feel like that I'm by myself in God's hands, not only what I'm trying to preach, and I don't ever want to experience that ever again. There have been very few times that I've felt like I had to preach alone, but I never want to do it again. I never want to try that again. I seek for God's anointing to be on my life. I seek for God's power to be on my life. I seek for God's wisdom to be in my heart. I need it, and so do you. I seek for it on my family and on our church and on our nation. That God would not write Ichabod on us. The glory of the Lord has departed. But that we may know the manifested presence of God in our lives. This ark of the Lord did not uh, was not the glory of God, uh, but it was a symbol or emblematic of the glory of God. May I remind you the glory of God does not dwell on an ark, nor does it dwell in a building, nor does it dwell, my friend, uh, on a body, but the glory of God dwells in the hearts and lives of men. But whenever we lose His manifested presence, when we no longer enjoy the anointing of God, how like Samson with the glory of God departed from him. He became as he were, as it were, any other man. And so will you, and so will I. If the glory of God does not dwell on us, we'll be as any other person would be. There are no people, my friend, that have secret sauce. And the secret is the Holy Ghost. The secret is the power of God. The secret is the Lord Himself. There is nothing in me or in you that we can do in ourselves to give us the victory. We are needy creatures standing in the of the help and the touch of God in our lives. And my friend, I pray that God, the Holy Ghost, would hear us today from heaven and set a hedge about us and send us help from the sanctuary for our lives and again spread His glory among us that we may serve Him, know Him, worship Him and enjoy the manifested presence of God among us. There are really three areas that I want to deal with in this little message this morning. And as Brother Bud preached this week, he confirmed uh, a proper homiletic delivery. Uh, this week as he talked, that's, that, that means how to put a sermon together. A proper homiletic delivery. Uh, this week as he talked about how it just works that way. Uh, three or four points and then three or four things about those three or four things. And I thought he'd have no idea. I thought uh, he had no idea why, but I thought people across the whole arbor were going to fall out of their pews. Uh, but that's what I want to do this morning. Give me three or four things, then a few things about those things. There are really three areas that I want to deal with in the message this morning concerning Ichabod. Where is the glory? Or the glory is departed. I want to deal with Ichabod in the nation. Ichabod in the church. And Ichabod in the family. And if we can cover those three areas even, even remotely this morning, I believe God will be pleased with the preaching. We'll begin this morning with Ichabod in the nation. It is what happens here in chapter 4 of the book of 1 Samuel. Verse number 10 tells us that Israel had been smitten. 30,000 footmen, 30,000 foot soldiers had been killed on that day. A great nation 
one that had been blessed with power over Egypt, power over the Canaanites, over the Hivites, over the Jebusites, over the Perizzites, was in decline and smitten of the Philistines because the ark of the Lord, the glory of God, was departed. I see a likeness of where our nation abides today. The United States of America defeated slavery, defeated the Nazis, Tojo's Japanese Empire, fascism, and outlasted the Soviet communists. In the Cold War, we've endured terror on our shores and we've combated evil, hunger, disease, economic disaster around the world. But we are a, we are a nation in decline at home today. Hey, we've forgotten God. We've shuttered the, jo- the doors of our churches. And the booze factories produce more liquor than at any time in American history. Oh, my friend, we've covered that. How we've cowered into a corner as Christians while hoodlums burn our cities and turn police cars upside down. We reverence a high court that authorizes the murder of the unborn. How while they uphold the oppression of the church, God's people, we sing God bless America while he has already blessed us and we have squandered his blessings and ignored his presence. We've ignored our creator. We've denied his creation. We have denied male and female and turned to foolishness of all sorts and the glory of God has departed from this nation. That's a fact. We might as well accept it. We might as well acknowledge it. We may as well come to grips with it this morning. It is revival or bust for the United States of America. It is repent or perish. It is get right or get left. How we are at this point in our country. Not every single person in it, but as a collective, we are in this, at this point in this country on the wrong side of God. How we are on the wrong side of history. We are on the wrong side of what is right. But it's time to return that he may heal us. I have listened to some of my friends over the last few years. My friend, the last several years I've listened to my friends who I love and appreciate. I think they mean well when they say this. I say that all that is wrong with our country is that the good people, the silent majority, have been silent for too long. And that they're being unheard. You may as well come to grips with it this morning. We are not part of some silent majority. We are part of a silent minority. And there are but a small remnant of God's people that are remaining. Even those who sit in the pews, I fear, so many do not really have a daily walk with God. They do not have a daily experience with the Lord. Being a child of God is more than sitting on the church pew and watching the performance of the singer or the preacher on Sunday. Being a child of God is more than owning a Bible or even believing it contains the Word of God. Being a child of God, by the way, we don't believe it contains the Word of God. We believe it is the Word of God. Amen. And not only do I own a Bible, I believe what it says. Hallelujah. And since I believe what it says, I'm attempting to obey and to process and to live out what it says. And to believe it literally, the whole thing. Even the parts that it don't keep like I ought to, I believe them. Amen. And to may the Lord have mercy on us. And we may as well admit that we are in a day how we're preachers that stand behind pulpits, preach a Bible that the people and the congregation do not believe. And that the thing themselves many times do not believe. We have men of the cloth that no longer believe in heaven or hell. That no longer believe there is any such thing as sin. 
that no longer believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And not only are they not called to preach and qualified to preach, they're probably not even saved. Amen. And may the Lord help us. It is revival or bust. And this nation is in trouble. We've departed from the one and true Almighty God. The Lord has been banned from our courts and from our Congress and from our courthouses and from our church houses and from our schoolhouses and God help us from our houses. And it's time to return again into the Lord that He may heal us and He may send us a revival that we may know the presence of God again in our land. Amen. When a nation finds themselves outside of the grace of God, when a nation finds themselves with Ichabod, written with the presence and the, and the manifested presence of the Almighty God, has departed from a land, it loses its might. A nation loses its might. In this chapter, there were in verse 10, 30,000 soldiers killed at that day. The might was taken away. 30,000 foot soldiers. The mighty man of the military was destroyed. Isaiah chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 God said he would take away quote the mighty man and the man of war the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient the might of Israel was God's glory God's power and my friend the might of our nation has also been the blessings of the Lord this little ragtag group of people of colonists in this nation were no match for the mighty British Empire in 1770 but providence was on our side. How whenever they fired again and again, the Indians who had been hired to fight against the colonists, when they fired and fired and fired and fired, and my friend on that man wearing a powdered wig who sat upon his horse, they put the finest marksman they had on him and they fired and they fired and they fired and they fired. How was my friend that, how that Indian general said, that man God will not allow him to die. That man was George Washington. How when he went home, that evening his coat was filled with bullet holes, but he had no wounds. Out of his powder wig he combed. Had the balls from muskets, but he had no wounds on him. God would not allow him to die. Oh my. When his men, my friend, took to boiling their boots to have something to eat. In the winter at Valley Forge, how many of them perished in that place. It looked as if there were no hope, but providence led them through. And a nation was born as they recognized that all men were being made by their creator and were endowed by that same creator with inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we're in a land today where we no longer hold these truths to be self-evident. And we no longer pledge our lives and our honors and our sacred trust. Oh, may God have mercy on us. It was in the World War II. My friend, that these precious little mamas bowed and prayed their soldier boys home off the fields of the battlefields of Normandy. God heard the prayers.
hundreds of people in this nation and the mamas and daddies prayed their children home off the battlefield today the Chinese communists and the pot-bellied dictators and North Korea and other nations of the world hold us in little respect and we should not blame this on the politicians and my friend because they work for us and the problem is this nation needs revival it is revival or past it is repent or perish it is get right or get left it is turn or burn it is time that we will turn and the Lord will hear us he will heal us turn us unto thee O God and we shall be turned is what the psalmist prayed and our might has been taken away and we no longer stand as the world's own superpower and it's not got anything to do with bombs and guns and airplanes and my friend or weaponry it has everything to do with the spirit of God and my friend the Old Testament prophet would say it is not by might nor by power but by my spirit saith the Lord and it's time to turn again unto God and seek for revival that is needed in our land Ichabod and the nation, it robs us. When the glory of God is departed, it robs us of our might. When Ichabod is written across the door of a nation, my friend, it robs us of our men. It robs us of our men. 30,000 footmen died. Hophni and Phinehas died in that place. The elder man, Eli, died, fell off of his stool. And when he passed out, he fainted, it seems, and fell from his stool. And when he did, he broke his neck and he died. The scripture says the soldiers were gone. The priest was gone. The leadership was gone. And manhood vanished before Israel in that day. They were a nation with weak men. And they became a nation without men. The softness of the men of this generation is striking to me. My friend, they become couch potatoes. They become lazy, irresponsible, selfish, and self-centered the selfishness of this generation of men, the entitlement mentality, the fear and trepidation, the lack of responsibility is a red herring. That's time to become men again. Oh, when I grew up, I thought everybody had a daddy like I had. I had a daddy that if he went barefooted, his children would have good shoes. I had a daddy that may have driven around on Maypop tires, but mama's tires were going to be in good shape. I had a daddy that if he wore wore out clothes, how we were all going to have something on our back before he had anything on his. I had a daddy that we sat down to dinner table and there was a chicken on the table and we liked the chicken legs. He would let us have the legs or the breast or the thigh or whatever and if necessary he'd eat wings and necks. Had to make sure we had what was best first. He denied himself to look out after us. We didn't know it a lot of times then. We didn't understand it a lot of times then. I had a daddy that was not a to work 10, 12, 14 hours a day. And it was not because he didn't want to spend time with us. That's because he cared about taking care of us. It was important to him to meet our needs. I had a daddy that took time. And my friend that showed me how to do things. How to drive a nail. How to build something. How to work with my hands. Took time to show me how to shoot a gun. How my friend to do things in life. A lot of the times whenever he would put me to work doing things and I complain.
complained about doing some of them, not usually, because I actually like to work most of the time, but I would complain about some of them. I would ever once in a while and even say, he's just making me do this because he doesn't want to do it. And now I realize that he could have done it in a third the time by himself, but he cared about showing me how to do something and didn't want me to grow up to be useless. He wanted me to grow up to be a man to know how to do something and to be willing to do something. And he wanted to make sure when he had grandchildren that I would treat his grandchildren the way he treated me and try to be responsible towards them. Amen. Amen. Oh, my, my, my. It's time to become men again. It's time for men to stand up and be men. It's time for men to get a backbone like a solid. It's time for the sissies of our generation and the pansies and the lazies of our day to again get them some guts and gumption and be men. Listen, the whole concept of toxic masculinity is a misnomer. Real masculinity is not toxic. Being a man doesn't mean you beat up women. It doesn't mean you mistreat others. Being a man means you put others before yourself. You take responsibility in life. You treat my friend, the ladies in your life with respect. You teach your little girls what it is for a man to know how to love them and to put them on a pedestal and to treat them well. And may the Lord help us to have some men that will become men again that are willing to sacrifice of themselves. Now see God bless their country once more. God have mercy on us. Amen. 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 Men who behave badly like we've seen this past week do not know God. And my friend, they don't know what pleases God. Amen. 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 That's exactly right. I told you I will say some things that some will find controversial this morning. And that's okay. This is preaching time. Hallelujah. I'm willing to hang around as long as you want to. We'll even social distance if that'll make you feel good. When the service is done, you can tell me all about what you didn't appreciate about it. And it'll be okay. And I will listen. Gladly listen. Receive criticism. Some of it might even be warranted. And my friend, I will seek the Lord about it. But right now it's preaching time. And we are standing in need of men in this generation to be men again, to care again. God, give us some men with a concern, with a burden that we'll care, that we'll be concerned. Listen, even the heathens knew this was needed. I look at the verse before we began in our text reading this morning. In verse number 9, the, he, the heathens are speaking here. They said, be strong and quit yourselves like men. Oh, you Philistines, it should be not servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. How when that word says quit you like men, it does not mean to quit fighting. It means to muscle up. It oh, let me get carnal just a second. It means to hulk up. That's kind of like when you got that fellow with a red shirt laying on the on the mat and he's been beaten down and he's been beaten down. He's been body slammed and he's been suplexed. He's been thrown around the ring. He's had him jump off the top rope. But all of a sudden he figures out I'm going to lose if I don't get up. And he starts to shake his hands and stomp his feet and rip his shirt off and stomp around. And my friend, that's back to the middle of that squared circle. Don't show it to me like you don't know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to know what I'm talking about. I stomp around that squared circle, shake his hand. Hey, thank God somebody needs to hulk up. Somebody needs to quit like a man. Somebody needs to decide it's time to stop laying down and be lazy and my friend be a man and stand and this generation needs God 
amen this day. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The men, my friend, quit you like a man. Even the heathens knew this was needed. That's right. Ichabod in the nation takes away her might. Ichabod in the nation takes away her men. Ichabod, the glory of God departed, takes away our morality. Before the ark had gone physically, it had already been ignored. And morality had been ignored with it. When God's presence is ignored, morality will also be ignored. Amen. The reason why people may walk about in our nation near naked and not ashamed is that the glory of God is departed. We're living in a nation where morality has almost been forgotten. And even the fact that I mentioned it makes me an anachronism, a throwback, a, a person who is out of date and from another time. But I'm telling you, sin's still wicked. Yes, sir. It yes. is still the will of God that you abstain from fornication. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. It's still sin to commit adultery. Marriage is honorable and all the bed and defiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And I didn't write that. I'm just quoting it. I'm just a mailman. No need to shoot me. You wouldn't go out there. Well, folks would today. They're about crazy. It makes no sense to go out there and find that mailman and shake him and beat him and say, listen, I am sick of you bringing these bills to my house. If you can't find something better than this to bring, don't ever come back here anymore. It's not his fault. All he's doing is delivering the mail. He didn't write the letter. He's just putting it in the mailbox. And that's who I am this morning. I'm just a mailman. I didn't write this book. I'm just delivering it. And the Bible said marriage is honorable and all the better to follow. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Why is that relevant? Before they ever got to this place, Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, the sons of the priests, they themselves in the Levitical priesthood were having fornication with the women who came to the tabernacle to worship God. Morality had failed them. They left God. They were behaving themselves unseemly. How my friend, a two thousand, according to a two thousand and seventeen Yale University study, more than half of American women live with someone before being married, and it's sin and it's wicked and it's ungodly. And the percentage of American children growing up in a single parent household has more than doubled since nineteen eighty. In two thousand and fourteen, forty percent of American babies were born without a married set of parents in black communities in America that number was an astounding 71% of babies born to an unwed mother by contrast in 1964 those numbers were less than 10% yes. since 1964 and a lot of you were not like me I was not boys and girls y'all look up here at me I was not alive in 1964 <laughs> I know some of y'all probably think I was alive through the Great Depression, World War II, Korea and Vietnam and all of it, but I was not. I was not alive in 1964. Some of you who are here this morning were not only alive, you were maybe already in school or near graduation time. Amen. Since 1964, we've gone from 10%, less than 10%, across the board, white, black, everything. To 40% of American children born to unwed mothers. And 71% of children born in the black community to unwed mothers. 
Why are we surprised that their children were behaving badly on Friday night? When daddies failed them 25 years ago. Are you listening to me? Daddies failed them 25 years ago. Family failed them 25, 30 years ago. There's been cultural rot and decay taking place. The glory of the Lord is departed. That's why people behave the way they do. There's a heart problem that's taking place. And my friend, God have mercy. Morality has been lost because the glory of the Lord has departed. I've got to move on. I can preach on this about the nation for the rest of the day. I must move forward if we're ever going to get to the other two. Not only did it create a problem in the nation, but it created a problem with Ichabod in the church. Ichabod in the nation, Ichabod in the church. The glory of the Lord had departed. In verse number 10, 30,000 footmen die. In verse number 11, the ark of God is taken. And the two priests, and the two sons of the priests were slain. And verse number 18 tells of how that it came to pass. Let me mention the ark of God that the priest Eli fell off the seat backward and fell at the side of the gate and his neck break and he died. All the priests and the religious leaders were gone and my friend the symbol of God's presence were gone and these young men who were useless ministers anyway, but they were gone. But Eli was a good man who had watched this decline for years. He saw it happen and it was finally reported to him and it took him off. The glory of the party for the church and my friend Ichabod had come to that place. It's a sad thing when you see a once mighty church, a once powerful church, a once gospel preaching church lose the power of God. The places where I preached year after year after year in revival as a teenage preacher boy and saw God move in some amazing and miraculous ways. Saw more people by far converted in those days when I know that I was not much of a preacher and still not, but surely was not then. I saw people get saved hand over fist at some of these places. And now I'm not even, I don't have an invitation to go there. Not welcome there. Neither is the Bible, neither is the Lord, and neither is the Holy Ghost. And they have a my friend gone off into wickedness and gross wickedness in many cases and they've lost the glory of God and they've lost the power of God and they've gone down the wrong road. And it's a sad testimony. It's a sad place to be. When the Ichabod, when the glory of the Lord has departed from the church, it shows up in our preaching. I remember when I was a boy, men who could hardly read their name in boxcar letters but had the power of the Holy Ghost on their lives would preach in power and demonstration and seem like they'd shake heaven and hell when they preached the word of the Lord and sinners would come trembling under conviction and repentance and faith and find Christ near and near their souls and salvation. And I saw God move and not just in the little church that I grew up in in the pine thicket but all over the land I saw God move. I've seen the mouth crowds get baptized in the lake on Christmas Day. I've seen the Lord move in great power. I've watched them run the backs of the pews, shout down the aisles, and seen the precious little grannies dance and the Holy Ghost. I've seen the altars filled and I've heard the sounds of prayers that sound like the rushing of Niagara Falls as God's people collectively pray through the altar. And I felt God's Holy 
Ghost I sweep through my heart and let me know He is here. Hallelujah. He is here. Amen. He is here. Holy, holy. I've seen God's people get a knife in under the influence of the moving of God's power and I've seen what it does to a community. Amen. And I've seen what happens when God's churches and God's people ignore Him and His Bible and His Word. I've watched preachers that I used to preach for and some that even laid their hands on me when I was ordained decide to go with different versions of the Bible and take off down another road. I've seen the men that I loved and respected and appreciated and many of them I still have good friendships with as they have left their wives and take off after some other woman. I've seen the churches split all to pieces and lives be wrecked in the wake of it all. What a shame and what a disgrace it has come. And I've seen preaching go from an act of power to an act of a performance. I've seen polished and professionalism under my fender. I've polished oratory become the order of the day instead of the unction of the Holy Ghost. And I pray God help me not ever to fall into that pattern. Help me to be your man. Help me to be your preacher. Help me, God, to be anointed of the power of the Holy Ghost. The ark contained the word of God upon tables of stone. The record of God's word from which God's man would preach and declare the truth to the people. But it was taken away. I remember when the preacher was honored, when he was respected, when he was listened to. I remember when churches and civic organizations and city councils sought his advice. And most of you in the building here this morning have enough gray hairs in your head to remember days like that as well. But today, many are total hirelings. And the man who is a real preacher is laughed at and mocked and lampooned and lambasted and ignored. Oh, but I want to be the voice of one. I thought that is all that is left. I'm crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And when I get the stuff like this to preach on, I'm just like Sister Angel told that little boy at church one Sunday when he said, why is that preacher preaching so loud? She said, because he can't preach no louder than that. And that's the way I am about what I'm preaching this morning. Somebody needs to cry loud and spare not. Oh, listen, when the man of God preaches, if I am God's preacher, and if I am preaching God's message, and if I am under God's anointing this morning, and the Lord knows my heart, I believe I truly am this morning. I've swung hard and missed the mark many times, but I'm making contact right now. And a man of God knows when he's preaching and when he's not. And I don't do nothing but God the Holy Ghost is preaching through me this morning. And listen, if God the Holy Ghost is preaching through a man, then his preaching is as it were the very oracles of God. That's what 1 Peter 4 and 11 said. When if ever man speaks that minister, that's what he mentioned in verse 10 of the minister. When he speaks, let him speak as it were the oracles of God. That is, don't give us rhyme and reason of your opinion. But preach thus saith the word of the Lord. That through all things Christ may be glorified. And praise and dominion forever. And ever be given unto him. Amen. The church needs fewer career men and more called men. Fewer hired hands and more holy men. Fewer paid staff and more powerful servants. And fewer cowardly homilies. And more boldness.
Essexes, fewer pacifiers, and more standing in the gap. God, give us some men that will preach gun barrel straight without fear and favor of men. Give us a congregation of people that will love it and embrace it and do it and live it and encourage it and share it. Amen. I know I act like I'm crazy sometimes. But I'm not near as stupid as what I act like I am. I'm pretty stupid. Not near as stupid as I act like I am. Some of y'all ain't believing that. I've heard people say things like, well, that's just Brother Toby. You know, he's funny that way. I got news for you. I ain't being funny this morning. I'm preaching. Now I've had folks when they, I've seen them when they bring the visitors in and I start to preach something and they get that uh, they get that look on their face you know the one that looked like they stepped in something before they came in the building the one that looks like their mother-in-law moved in with them amen that's right <laughs> somebody put X-Lax in their Cheerios that look like the liver turned inside out and the gallbladder busted. And their spleen was about to erupt. They brought somebody with them that morning to visit and it just had to be the morning that Brother Toby preached like that. <laughs> I've seen that look. I've had people even say to me, Preacher, I'd like to bring my family, but now I'm going to bring them on such and such time. And so you might want to think about that and just not preach too hard that morning. Not get too carried away. They'll be here on such and such Sunday. So don't get too carried away that morning. I'm going to tell you what else I've had happen. I've had some come to me and say, I'm bringing my family on such and such day. They're going to be here that morning. I want you to preach the ever-living daylights out of them. I want you to pray that God would give you a message from the Holy Ghost. You get carried away in the power of God. And if the Lord to get a hold of them, I want to see them get saved. Oh, I'm telling you, God, give us some people that will fall in love with the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God and fall in love with enough to live and to share it. I want somebody that needs Jesus. Amen. I don't know. Listen, you may be ashamed of your preacher, but I'm not ashamed of my preaching. Amen. I'm not ashamed of my congregation. I'm not ashamed of the Bible. I'm not ashamed how to be an old time Christian. I'm not ashamed to be his this morning. I bless the Lord that he called me. Head of the gospel ministry and counted me faithful. And having put me in the ministry. And it's by his grace that I continue to this day. It could not in the church has taken away the preaching of the word of the Lord. It could in the church has taken away praise. When the glory is gone, praise will be missing. Where is it? Where is my friend the glory of the Lord? When finally they got this ark back so many years later during the reign of King David when they brought it into Shiloh in the town and David danced before the Lord and he worshiped God and he rejoiced in Jesus and his own wife made fun of and she said, Art thou king in Israel? How you behave yourself like this? He said, If you think that's something, just wait until tomorrow and wait and see how I worship God then. Hallelujah, praise his name. The reason why praise is gone is the glory is gone, the power is gone, the, the presence of God is 
God. Amen. Where is the praise? There is in this chapter war, death, weeping, childbirth, struggles, battles, discouragement. But there's no praise at this time in Israel. I don't know about you, but sure that sound like the nation that I'm living in. War, death, weeping, childbirth, struggle, battles, discouragement. But no praise. And it's time that we get back to the old time way of praising the Lord. And it had been that way a while. Eli hadn't seen anybody pray in the Holy Ghost in a long time before Samuel was even born. Samuel's probably in the neighborhood of 20 years old at this point. Before Samuel was born, Eli hadn't seen anybody pray in the Holy Ghost so long. When he saw it, he thought the lady was drunk. Isn't that right? Hannah goes in the church. She begins to weep and she prays. And listen to how she prayed. She wept and her mouth moved. But no words came forth from it. Anybody else ever prayed like that? God before the Lord. Hey, you were saying thanks to God, but you weren't saying them out loud. Tears dripping off of your face. And Eli said somebody acting like that must be drunk. If that's what being drunk is, I have been intoxicated on the Holy Ghost many a times while I was in prayer. Eli hadn't seen anybody pray. In the Holy Ghost in a long time before the Savior was ever born. And my friend, it had been 20 plus years. How long? I don't know. But praise was gone from this place. Where are the uplifted hands this morning? Where are the shouts of a king? Where are the songs of praise? Where are the testifying mamas and daddies with raised hands? Where are the spirit filled choirs? Where are the altars filled with prayer warriors? From the Glory is called. Men sit on their hands and they watch the performance. But when men get in the glory, they get in the worship. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. You know how you go to the theater to watch a play? Like this. I took art appreciation. Music appreciation at the university. I did. And they taught me how to behave myself properly and play for a intellectual concert. This is how you do it. You sit real quiet. I'm going to tell you something else. Not only did I take art appreciation and music appreciation at the university, I took Jesus appreciation at my daddy's knee. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the pine thicket in Baldwin County. And when they got to church, that ain't the way they went to church. Oh no, when they had Jesus appreciation going on, they'd start this way, but they'd end up this way. <laughs> they'd start out maybe hey. with clean faces and quiet yeah. voices, but before it's all said and done, my daddy'd be wiping snot and slobber, and my finger behind me, a clipper lady be bored his nose, sound like a freight train coming through that place, and Jimmy Milline shouting amen, hallelujah, and done great praising God, and shouting like a Shotgun going off when he praised the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Them old hey. ladies went south of the bobby pins come out of their hair. Hey. And they fell down their back. Hey. And my friend, you can hear war hoops. Hey. I'm from where 
store yeah. and we're going to Jesus appreciation. Yeah. We're not here this morning to appreciate the performance yeah. or the music or the songs yeah. or yeah. the oratory. Yeah. We, brother, we have left the worship yeah. and the door of the Lord our God yeah. and Jesus appreciation yeah. is different than our appreciation. Yeah. And we ought to worship the Lord yeah. and get the glory this morning. Yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How them old timers I went to church with said, if you don't go into work once in a while on Monday morning, let the Holy Ghost recruit, then you're probably not doing it right. Amen. Hallelujah, that's right. Praise God, I'm glad I'm in love with my Savior. And He's in love with me. Woo! You say, that's the way the crazy Pentecostals act. When I was a boy, it's the way they all acted. Amen. Pentecostal Baptists and even the Methodists. Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't grow up in a Pentecostal church. I didn't grow up in a Baptist church. I grew up in a Methodist church where the old ladies danced and shouted and run down the aisles. And my family got around and had prayer around the old-fashioned altar and they prayed through to heaven. May God help us to get the glory again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Charlie surely picked that guitar at 100 miles an hour, singing 25 miles an hour. But everybody knew what God had done in his heart, how the Lord had saved him miraculously. And his singing was horrible, but we rejoiced in it. He couldn't carry a tune in a five-gallon bucket. He couldn't have carried it if it had, if it had the help of a skin steer loader. I mean, Freddie could not sing, and he couldn't play the guitar. But when he get up there and start beating the fire out of guitar and singing when Stephen was accused, holy bewildered. Everybody get the sound and praise in God because the new Jesus had rolled Charlie over the tide. It saved his soul and changed his life. I'm telling you, it's time we get the glory of God back in our praise again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to say something. Again, it's controversial. I might as well just go and say all of it while I'm doing it this morning Get it all. It's like a band-aid, you know, just get ripped off all one down. If I wait and say it tonight, it's like that little boy had a hound dog and knew he had to cut his tail off, but he felt sorry for it. Cut it off a little bit at a time. Amen. <laughs> Might as well just cut it all off at one time this morning. Get it over with. Oh, but the reason why some folks, now I'm not being totally critical here. I'm making an observation, but it's a fact whether you want to accept it or not. The reason why some folks didn't mind going to pajama church and online church and all this stuff is because they didn't have much church going on to start with. Amen. And listen, same folks like to go to church. That same folks go to church and they like it. Church folks go to church on church days to do church saints. That's always been that way. It always will be that way. That's what Brother Bud preached this week. And it is right, friend, that the reason why some folks were telling me, I like this a lot better. And this is awesome. This is great. It's so much less trouble. And you know the church is so much more than a building. I've been preaching the church was so much more than a building for the past 30 years. But what I've been preaching was, I've come to church, worship God here, and when you leave, do something. And share the gospel with somebody. Tell somebody Jesus saves, delivers, and heals. Let somebody know the Lord is on his soul. That's what church is more than a building means. It's not so you can sit around in your pajamas and ignore the attendance at the house of God and keep from giving your tithes and offerings and fail to pray for your preacher. Our behavior leads to 
of bad behavior. When God's people stop serving God, and my friend, the devil runs rampant in our way. Amen. And I know everything I'm saying is so politically incorrect. It's a wonder if our church don't get banned from Facebook, YouTube, and my friend, the, the internets, uh, the interwebs, or whatever else you want to call it all, before it's all said and done. But I'm telling you, God's people need to rise up and stop being nice and start being Christians again. Hey, Praise. Praising God. And listen, for those folks that had to watch online, I praise the Lord that we've been broadcasting online a long time before there was a pandemic. We've been broadcasting online just about as long as what there's been online. We were broadcasting online in some ways before there was a Facebook or a Twitter or an Instagram or a, or a Face Chat or a, a Snap Face or whatever all this mess is. Before any of it ever exists, the link tiles. Before any of it ever existed, we were already broadcasting online. I'm not against it. But the reason why some folks think that worshiping the Lord is punching a little button with a thumbs up is because they don't do much more than that while they're at church anyhow. Matter of fact, some of them while they're at church is busy pushing the thumbs up button for something else because they're playing on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter while they're at church instead of listening to the preacher. Amen. Playing Candy Crush. That's exactly right. I'm not even just talking about kids. I'm talking about grown-ups. People on Social Security all not to play Candy Crush through church. Amen. God help us. Some people don't care how long I preach anymore. They need time to defeat the next level anyhow. God help us. Oh, Gracie, pray for me. I have a mean streak crawling up my leg. Hallelujah. The church, it come on, and the church, how it's marked our preaching, it's marked our praise. Yet, my friend, it has cost us a presence of God. Oh, the ark of God was manifested presence of God with his people in those days, but it was taken away. And without it, the tabernacle was just an empty tent. Without the presence of God, our churches, our empty buildings, I pray for spirit-filled services, songs, sermons, and sinners to be drawn by the Holy Ghost. I cannot be pleased with ritual routine and repetition. I need the Holy Ghost presence of Almighty God. Ichabod and the church has cost us power. A weak nation, a weak church, a weak people are revealed in this passage because the glory of the Lord is departed. Our strength is not in our buildings, it's not in our technology, our wisdom, our universities, or in our wealth. If we'll have any power at all in our church, it's in the Lord. It is not in personalities or preachers or people. It is in the presence of the Holy Ghost. Power. Ichabod in the nation, Ichabod in the church, and then there's Ichabod in the family. Remember, he said there's three things that's happened. We got a national problem, 30,000 footmen have fallen. We have a church problem, the ark of the Lord is taken away. We've got a family problem, your sons are dead. You realize that our families are in a mess, and what they need more than anything is the presence of God. This passage shows us a nation and a church in trouble because a family had lost the glory of God. Exactly it's a sad testament to how the minister's family failed and how others also failed with him. When our forefathers had no money, but they had a Bible on the fireboard, there was power in the home. When mama used to pray, children were brought to saving conviction. 
When daddy walked with God, families were brought to repentance. And when the glory is departed, and we lose the family, and my friend God established the home, and it will never function properly without God in the home. Ichabod, the home means loss for all of us. Ichabod, the home means the loss of our sons and daughters. Eli lost both of his sons. He lost his daughter-in-law. Oh, God, my friend. His sons died in battle. His grandson was born an orphan. Our children deserve the privileges many of us had. A dad and a mom saved, living together, loving one another, bringing them up, having nurture and admonition of the Lord. Our children are lost. And believe the glory of God. Yes, sir, my little girls deserve to see a home where yes. mom and dad love God and love one another. Yeah. We've lost our sons and daughters when we lose the glory of God. We lose spouses when we lose the glory of God. I don't know this woman's name, Phinehas' wife in verse 19, but by the time she's Phinehas' wife in verse 19, she's actually a widow. This poor woman in verse 21 had to birth a baby boy without a father because her husband was lost when the glory departed. And then she died too. Percentages of marriages ending in divorce is double what it was in 1950. Roughly 40% of marriages in America today end in divorce and that number is skewed so much. I sent so many never even marry in the first place. They just sack up like animals and live like dogs. But God said under the book of Genesis and Jesus confirmed it in Mark 10 and 9. How would God had joined together let no man put asunder and two become one. It's the work of God in America. Ichabod and the family has brought devastation and divorce and disaster. Sons and spouses lost. When Ichabod comes in the home, our seniors are lost. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, buckle your seatbelt this morning. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, more than 50% of all COVID-19 deaths in the 14 most heavily impacted states have happened in nursing homes. While that's sad and a part of the nature of people who are in frail physical condition, listen to what I'm about to tell you. How many of these states, it happened as a result of the governors directing hospitals to send sick people back into nursing facilities when they knew they were infected and run the risk of infecting others. And that ought to make us all mad as old wet hens. The director of public health in Pennsylvania pulled her mother out of the nursing home for fear of her catching stuff while she required for the hospitals to send people right back into those places, not warning the rest of the public. Tar and feathers is not a good word for it. Somebody ought to go to jail. I told you I'd say something controversial. I'm cutting the tail off a dog while I'm here. God have Mercy on us. 
Meanwhile, we shut the rest of the country up and let everybody sit around and go broke and our children be in trouble, racked up death that will roll forward to our great-grandchildren. And the most vulnerable people have been exposed the whole time and dying left and right while our politicians sit on their hands and do nothing but give press conferences and tell us how awesome they are. And we've forgotten how to love our seniors. And we've forgotten how to respect our elders. And we've forgotten how to appreciate those who have advanced years ahead of us. And God have mercy on us. It is indicative of what has gone on in the rest of our society. We've failed our seniors. We've ignored their wisdom. We've forgotten their value. We've laughed, my friend, at them. Called them old fogies out of date. We thought that their advice was unimportant, that their words didn't matter. But I'm telling you, our children need their grandchildren. Our children need their grandparents. Our grandparents need their grandchildren. And this generation needs our elders. And we need to hear their words again. You know what brought this nation of Israel eventually to the place where they broke all to pieces and were never put back together again? When a politician rose to power that ignored all the seniors. Right? Isn't anybody remember First Kings? You remember when Rehoboam becomes king in Israel and he ignored that elder crowd that stood before his father? But he brought those young men up who came along with him and grew up with him. They gave him bad advice and split the nation, slay them in half. And they never were completely restored again. And won't be until Jesus comes back. We have ignored our seniors in this day and age. We've ignored the advice of those who have gone before us. We have ignored their preaching, their testimony. Their words of warning, and we have failed them. We've forgotten their value. The greatest treasure that our children have missed in this generation is a good relationship with their grandparents. And my friend Ichabod and the family has cost us our seniors. Amen. If you don't know how to be nice to old people and help them. When you see one with a handful of groceries, you've got a, married, a, a manners problem and a spiritual problem. Amen. Blowed up enough about burning down the cheesecake factory. I mean, of all the things to burn, the cheese, cheesecake factory and the Chick-fil-A Keep your hands off the important things in society. <laughs> but then when I see some little old woman in a wheelchair being drugged out of a Target in yeah. Minneapolis and beaten within an inch of her life when all she's doing is getting her groceries, it makes me want to strangle somebody. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Seniors, we've, we've ignored them. We've disrespected them. Amen. Listen. It's so rude, young people, to look at older folks calling gramps or old timer. Shut your fat mouth. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Learn to have some respect about you. Hey. I'm going to say something to you young people right now. I'm in so deep right now. I might as well just tell it all yeah, on it. Go ahead. Preach I know it's getting late, but that's all right. I don't oh, preach like this all the time, just most of it. And I'm not going to preach long just till I'm finished. Amen. When you come out the door, and there's people standing there. All you young people listening to me, all you boys and girls, look up this way. Look at me while I'm talking to you. Look in my eyes. Look at me while I'm talking to you. 
When you go out the door and there's somebody standing there with a walking cane or with gray hair and they hit, tried to head out the door, you come zooming by like you're riding a motorcycle. You'll be real, you'll be real thankful. Be real thankful that you're not one of my children. Because if my children comes by like they're riding a motorcycle out the door while there's somebody standing there with a, with a walking cane over gray in the hair, I'm going to grab them by the nap of the neck. Now, that's ridiculous. Try to be respectful of your elders because they've been down roads a lot further than what you have. They know more than you do. They've been where you are, but you haven't been where they are. They know everything you know, but you don't know what they know. I remember being in your age when I thought I knew everything. And the older I get, the more I, don't, I realize I don't know much of anything. But I know more than I know now enough to know that I know more now what I knew then, which means I really didn't know nothing then. We need to be respectful and realize how important it is to respect those seniors. I've got to finish. I'm finishing preaching. When Ichabod is in the family, we lose our sons, our spouses, our seniors. We lose our standing. Eli, this little baby, his granddaddy, is a Holy Ghost preacher. He is Samuel's mentor. Samuel, probably the little boy who was anointed earlier in life than anybody in the Bible, except for Samson and John the Baptist. And his mentor is Eli. And Eli's grandson is Ichabod. Eli had a good name in Israel. And even the wicked things his sons did did not cost Eli his good testimony. But in another generation, his whole family lost their testimony. And the only name that's left is Ichabod. The glory of the Lord has departed. When the glory is departed from our homes, we lose our testimony in the community. Your name should mean something. Amen. I've lived a lot of blessed days because of multiple generations of people who respected the testimony of my family. I'm blessed because of the glory of God that has been present on them. Amen. Eli had been a priest along with his sons. The priesthood should have been carried on in their lineage, but they lost their standing. And there is no record in the Bible that Ichabod ever became anything in the service of God. This family lost their testimony. I'm finished preaching this morning. But there ought to be something to resonate heavy in our hearts. If I'd have preached like this when I was 14 years old, I'd have never made it this far without the altar full. When I heard the old time preacher men preach like this when I was a boy, my heart had come all to pieces. And I melted in my pews and said, Oh God, I'd rather be in a box down there in front of that altar as to bring a shame and reproach on the Lord and His church. Amen. It's time to repent. It's time to pray. It's time to get your family in the altar with God. It's time to get back to the old time way of serving the Lord. It's time to turn again to the Lord and beg for mercy. I wanted to preach this three weeks ago. The Holy Ghost wouldn't give me liberty until today. I've been stewing on it for quite a long time. I did not know when God laid it on my heart why the specificity of the day would be today. I did not know what would be transpiring while I was trying to preach this. 
but now we know. And if with what your eyes have seen and your heart has felt and the word of God your ears have heard this morning, you're not stirred to get things right with God, I'm afraid for you. If you're not stirred to pray for others, I don't know what would stir you. But I've done all I can. And John Michael, I don't apologize a moment for preaching one word that I preached today. Or for preaching as long as what I've preached today. I've been obedient to the Lord. I love you. And if it's longer and later than what you plan to stay, I sure am sorry for upsetting your plans. But I'm not upset and sorry for preaching the word. Everybody stand. If you need to pray this morning. Should we have to have an invitation this morning, really? Really, should we have to have an invitation? Oh, God, turn us and we shall return. Children are scattered all over our land. God, have mercy! God's people.